Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team, and thank you, it is true, to my better half, Leah. Thank you very much. Uh, we're glad that you've joined us again for worship today. I want to give a warm welcome to all of you who are joining us and streaming it online. If you just jumped into the service, if you weren't here at the beginning, I want to give a warm welcome to you. Thank you for joining us for worship today. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope, and thanks for spending a little bit of your Sunday with us. And hey, uh, we've been noticing this all across uh, when we've been having to broadcast our services online is that more people have been checking out Community of Hope for the first time now more than ever. So if you're new with us and maybe you're new to this church thing, or maybe it's just been a while since you've tried the church thing out, we're super glad that you've joined us today. Um, if you want to get to know us a little bit better and connect with the church, you can just text the word hello to the number on the screen that you see there. And like we said earlier, we won't spam you. We won't bug you. This is just for us to send you a form so we can help you connect better to our church and get into the life of our community here. So make sure that you do that. Well, we're really excited today because we are going to be uh, continuing and concluding our theme of where we've been the past three weeks. We've been talking about this idea of be the bridge where we have begun a conversation on race in our church. Uh, we originally were planning to take several weeks to look through Ephesians 4 as a church to talk about our relationships within our own homes. And then everything that has happened in our news and in our nation and on our streets uh, came to light and has begun to change everything, begun to change the dialogues that we're having in our nation. So we decided in a moment to pivot our topic, but not our scriptures, because the scriptures that we had picked were perfect still to speak to the moment we're in as a nation. Now, we want to remind everybody what we've said all along, that we are just beginning a conversation on race, beginning a conversation. Uh, we know that we are not going to fix the issues of racism and issues of inequality and all sorts of other discord and arguments that we're all having from different perspectives that people have coming at this together. We're not going to fix this, and we're not going to fix our nation with two interviews and two sermons and we've talked about it, and now we're done. No, instead, we know this is going to take hard work of listening to each other, speaking to each other, learning from each other. So we encourage everybody, if you haven't yet, go ahead and sign up for, you're going to see it on the screen, a Be the Bridge discussion group. You can sign up for those online. You can sign up for those in the sermon notes on the app. As you're watching this, it's not too late to sign up for one of those to have an interest meeting. We hope to launch those later on in the fall where a lot of the hard work and beautiful discussion of reconciliation begins to happen in those settings. We really encourage you to check that out. Now, uh, what we're going to be doing today is again, we're taking a break from the interview format that we did the first two weeks of our discussion on race with Be the Bridge. Today is just going to be a point we're going to look at the scriptures together. And this is what we always believe in our church that here we are unashamedly a Christian community. Now, we want to be the type of church that is welcoming to those on the outside, the type of church that people who don't like church enjoy coming to. That being said, we start all of our conversations. We think all these conversations begins with God's word as a starting place for us and all of these discussions. 
We're going to be taking a deep dive in our last look into the back end of Ephesians chapter four here in just a moment. But I want to remind everybody what I said last week, and it's still going to be true for today. What I am going to do tonight or today, whenever you're watching this morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're watching this online is that I'm not going to apply this to any particular perspective or any different angle or any different starting place in this conversation and this dialogue that our nation is having that's raging right now. I'm not going to go at any particular angle. What I am going to do is prayerfully ask that the Holy Spirit would apply his word to each and every single one of us, no matter what starting place we find ourselves in with this conversation. And remember again, I said this last week, not only are we going to trust the Holy Spirit to apply the word specifically to each one of us, we're going to listen with ears first for us first. So last week I said to everybody, you better not at home go, you know what? Bob really needs to hear this message. So all the Bobs in our church who's li- who are listening to this, I apologize again to you. And if you're a lady in our church, there's not only Bobby think, oh, I wish Becky is watching this right now. So we have Bob and Becky, who we hope are watching and listening to us today. If you're thinking about other people, you're doing it wrong. I want you to think about only you. Apply this to you first for today. Deal, deal, digital fist bump. Boom. Great. Okay. So we're going to look in Ephesians chapter four, verses 25 through 32 again. And this is in uh, your sermon notes on your app, or you could just grab your Bible at home if you have one or the Bible app on your phone. It's all free. And so we're in Ephesians chapter four, verses 25 through 32. And this is what the word of the Lord has for us today. It says this here. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer and must do and must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Let's pray. So Lord, we pray a simple prayer right now. Uh, the prayers of one of the psalmists who said that we ask humbly that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law today. And Lord, we ask what I just teed us up on a minute ago, that Holy Spirit, you would apply this to us, to exactly where we need to hear your words of truth for our lives, not for our neighbor's life. Lord, we want to take the plank out of our own eye before we inspect the splinter in somebody else's eye. We want to be a people who are not hypocritical, but look to us first to repent of our sin first. So would you speak to our hearts? Would you change our lives? And would you come do only what you can do with a demonstration of your power? Speak Lord in Jesus name we pray. And all God's people at home said, amen. 
Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down this little passage phrase by phrase, particularly verse 29 is what I really think we need to look at today. It's going to speak to our culture and it's going to speak to our church. And we're going to start with this phrase. It's going to be on the screen. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. So let's start here. We're obviously talking about talk today. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So this applies only to speech when we're speaking to other people. It's a little bit bigger than that. See, in the ancient world, when they wrote this book, hardly anybody, only a very select few were literate who knew how to read, let alone write. And so for them, the only way that they had communication for the vast majority of people who heard this letter from the apostle Paul was speech. But we know today that we're going to apply this pastorally and faithfully to all of our lives. And what it means for us today is not just with what we say, because we've had an explosion in communication technology in the past hundred years alone in human history. This applies not only to what we speak, it also applies to what we type with our fingers and with our thumbs. However you communicate. Today is about words about what we do with our words. Now it says that don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What does the word unwholesome mean? Well, I can't tell you last time I used that word in regular conversation. Well, in the original Greek, it means bad or not good or many other synonyms like that. But it's also used one time in the New Testament talking about rotten fish. It's that kind of bad. So what it's saying is don't let any rotten words or any rotten speech come out of your mouth or come through your fingers or through your phones when you are communicating to other people. So what's the big difference between something that's um, unwholesome and what's useful? It says it there on the screen. Well, it's obviously a difference between good and bad, but the particulars of it are found in what happens when we use these different kinds of words, whether they're rotten words or useful words. What's the difference? You could see it with what's there at the beginning of verse 29 that's on the screen. It's that they either build up or they tear down. They build up or they tear down. I remember uh, back uh, something in the West coast of Florida, if you've been, Part of community felt for any period of time, you know I'm a Tampa Bay boy. Go Bucks, go Tom Brady. Please, NFL, please have a season. Please, dear God, who loves Tampa Bay Buck in your football. I don't know we're the losingest franchise ever in the history of sports ever, so maybe he doesn't love the Bucks. But please, because you love me, let there be a season this year. I'm from Tampa Bay and from the west coast of Florida. And in 1993, there was this thing that many people who were living in Tampa on the west coast of Florida uh, went through called the No Name Storm. Now, we don't get a whole lot of hurricanes on that side of the state. So we're a bunch of lightweights compared to everybody here in South Florida and Palm Beach County. But it's still called the No Name Storm. What you see on the screen is a picture of the National Weather Service's website with their cutting edge web design that they have there. And this was actually called the Storm of the century. And here's what happened with the storm of the century. It says in March, 1993, the storm of the century struck the Gulf coast of Florida on Friday, March 12th, 1993. We can go ahead and get that off the screen. March 12th, 1993. And it continued slamming Florida and States North, uh, on North on that Saturday. 
And uh, that's why it was called, why was it called the storm of the century world to Florida residents? It was a no name storm because it was in March outside of hurricane season, even though it was a hurricane, they couldn't name it. So it's just a huge storm. It had over 90 mile an hour winds, tornadoes, devastatingly deadly storm surge, but it was much larger than a hurricane to residents of Florida. It was a storm to residents of the Northeast. They called it the blizzard of the century. It did more than 2 billion. That's a billion dollars in property damage across 22 Eastern states and the West coast of Florida got hit. First. Now, let me tell you why I remember this storm. Because I was eight years old living in my house. We'd been living in Florida for about a year at that point when this storm hit in the middle of the night. Here's some of the things that I remember about this night with the storm of the century, with the no name storm that hit my home. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. It was dark and it wasn't loud thunder or pouring rain that woke me up. It was howling wind that woke me up. It, it loud enough and scary enough to where I was eight at that time. I didn't really go into mom and dad's bedroom that much anymore at that point, but it scared me enough to wake up and go, oh, I better go into mom and dad's room. And so I walk out of my room only to hit my living room and to find in my living room that my dad is actually already up sitting in his recliner, that my mom is actually already up sitting on the couch, that my brother is already up sitting on the love seat and that my dog is already up sitting in the living room. I was the last one to wake up from the storm. The storm was loud, 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 loud. Lightning hit our house. It fried the security system that we had in our house. It never worked again, not a day after that. And I remember that my dog got so scared that we had to let her out to go to the bathroom. So we opened up the door to let my dog, who wasn't, uh, she wasn't like a huge dog. She was kind of like a cocker spaniel, kind of like medium sized dog. We opened up the door to let her go out in the middle of the night, in the middle of all this wind and stuff. And she got taken because the wind was so strong. The wind began to blow her out of our yard all the way down the street where this poor dog couldn't make it back to our house. So my dad decided to tighten his bathrobe and walk out the door. Here's how else I remember this storm. I not only remember the wind, but I remember how the same wind that woke me up and the same wind that took my dog down the street was also the same wind that blew open my dad's bathrobe and all of our neighbors got to know him a whole lot better that night. If you know what I mean, it's seared in my mind. I can't get it out. No matter how much therapy I go to dad, I'm so sorry. I'm saying this on the internet. I love you. I'm probably in trouble. So I, uh, I remember those things. It was a crazy night. What else? I also remember from the storm. Like why in the world are you telling us about this? Here's why I'm telling you about this. There was a house being built right next to us. And I remember walking out the next morning and it, it was about mm, 50 to 75% done before the storm. After the storm, it was totally wrecked. It knocked almost the whole thing over in its entirety. They had to start all over in building this house. It completely tore it down. And ironically, on the very same day that something in a force of strength tore down a house right next to mine in my neighborhood, was a big spectacle going on where they're going to try to build one home in just 24 hours, even less than that. In fact, here's a picture of the Tampa Bay Times, which is formerly known as the St. Petersburg Times. 
Here's a picture online, but this is a picture of the copy that was run that day. This is even before really anybody had internet in 1993 of, uh, of a home being built in a day. It was a big spectacle. It was put on by a local builders association and there was going to have hot dogs and all sorts of stuff. They had uh, bleachers brought in for people to come and watch this home be erected and an incredible show of coordination uh, from this construction union association. It was this really cool thing. So in just all in a snapshot of a day by my house in my neighborhood growing up, I had one house completely torn down and I had one house completely built up on the same day. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because this is just like what happens with our words. And this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. The words are powerful. They're not trivial. They're powerful. Proverbs 18, we're going to have this on the screen. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our speech and our words are powerful. They have the power to create and destroy confidence. Words have the power to start and wreck relationships. Words land and lose jobs. Words have the power to shape our lives and the lives of so many people all around us. This is why the Apostle Paul tells us, be careful with your words and be careful with what you're building or you're destroying with your words. So he goes on from there with that first phrase that we want to make sure that our words are useful for building others up. Now, the next phrase that comes right after that is we want to do it that's in a way that builds others up according to their needs, according to their needs. Now, this is the secret ingredient of learning how to speak to, uh, to build up another person rather than tear them down. This is part of the secret ingredients right here is to learn this phrase, to do so according to to the needs of other people. What does that mean? Well, there's a scripture that Paul writes elsewhere in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, that I think really helps here. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of, of others. See, when the apostle Paul is saying is make sure that whatever you're speaking, that's not only building people up, but when you're speaking, do so according to the needs of other people. See, this is not a message of just water it down when you speak and when you interact on social media, when you have conversations with people, just water it down and play nice. This is so much deeper than that. See, to be able to connect with and understand what somebody else really needs, you need to slow down enough to begin to try to understand them and what they need. Most people in conversation only listen to figure out what they're going to say next. And what the apostle Paul is saying here is no, no, no. 
when you speak with people, when you interact with people, when it's in person or in your home or in your workplace or in your relationships or at your school or on social media, when you're interacting with other people, watch out what you say and speak according to the needs of the person you want to speak with, not to your own needs, not to my need to be heard, my need to be right, my need to vent, my need to have the last word, my need to correct you. Don't speak to those needs. Speak to the other person's needs. See, this is an ancient principle in Christian scriptures that just keeps being rediscovered by the world and being repackaged in new ways. A famous author, Stephen Covey, wrote uh, a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And most people know who Stephen Covey is. Um, he was named by Time Magazine as one of the 25 most influential Americans. He sold 40 million books. Um, his book, particularly The Seven Habits that we just said of highly effective people, is named the number one most influential business book of the 20th century. He took what the Apostle Paul said here and he put it in a new way in different words. And here's habit five of highly effective people. And it's going to be on the screen when he talks about this. He says, quote, if I were to summarize in one sentence, the single most important principle I've learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Speak according to the needs of other people. But you can't do that if you don't understand somebody first. Pop quiz. It's just us right now. Just me and you and the Holy Spirit. Who is it right now in your life that you have not slowed down enough to understand so you can speak to their needs rather than your needs? Who's the person coming to your mind, coming to your heart, you've not taken the time to listen to and to understand where they're coming from first. Who is it? Think about it. So we're supposed to speak according to the needs of others. And here's this last phrase that Paul says there. Not only that, but do so that it may benefit those who listen. And I love this little phrase here um, because it really challenges me because we notice this in our team teaching time, we're studying this passage that Paul is not just saying that it will benefit those who listen, like the person you're speaking to, but anybody who might be listening. Um, if you are married and you have kids at home, or maybe if you interact with kids at your job or your work or other family members, you ever been having an adult conversation with a person, maybe got a little bit heated and halfway through you realize that little ears were listening to you. See, because often we're having conversations, we're not the only ones who are listening. There are other people who listen in. Our kids, our coworkers, our colleagues, our friends, and all these different spaces and all of our conversations, we're not the only one listening. And this is especially true, guys, on social media, where people these days are horrifically ugly with each other. They say terrible things they would never say face to face. And they all treat it like they're just talking mano y mano. But the truth is the whole rest of the world gets to look in and see and listen with their eyes of what we're 
saying. See, if we're not careful, what we speak can have collateral damage all around us when it's meant to give a collateral benefit to those who hear it, whether they're part of the conversation or they get to be on looking on the conversation. I, um, I pick on my dad a lot and, uh, I love my dad, but I, you know, I also, uh, talk about all the ways that my dad has blessed my life and given me a lot of wisdom. Well, my mom is also a huge part of my life too. I have just great parents. I'm, I got really lucky. I got really lucky. And my mom taught me one thing about words one time. And we're going to end with this, that words are like toothpaste. Now, uh, in my house, I'm, my wife is a Colgate person and I'm more of a crest man. We make it work. We try to figure it out. But words are, are like toothpaste. And you know, it's easy to speak. And it's easy to say things. You ever tried to put toothpaste back in a bottle? Oh no. It doesn't really work, does it? It's the same thing with our words. That when we aren't careful, and when we tear down, instead of building up, and when we let unwholesome, rotten words come out of our mouth, or through our fingers, or through our phones, or through our social media accounts, to others we know are random strangers, we can't ever take it back. We think we can, but you can't get it back in the tube. It doesn't work. And in fact, often if we're not careful with our words, we can make a huge mess of things too. And it's hard to clean up what we've said with our act with it's hard to clean up what we said. It takes a lot of effort. So we should heed what the Apostle Paul said. We should be careful. We should watch what we say. Proverbs 13.3 says this. We're going to have it on the screen. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Brothers and sisters, be careful with your words. Be careful with your posting. Be careful with your conversations. Don't let rotten words come out of your mouth. Speak according to the needs of others. Slow down to understand somebody so you understand their needs first. And remember, there are other people listening in and the world is watching us for how we speak to each other and to those outside of the church in this time. Let's give them something to celebrate and something that will win them closer to Christ. And let's give them something that will help be the bridge instead of burn them down. Let's pray. So Lord, we want to take a minute and we want to thank you for the words of the apostle Paul who spoke to us about being careful with our words, about being careful with our speech. 
And Lord, we examine our own hearts now and we want to say we're sorry for ways where we have not been careful with our speech, where we have sinned against others and against you. And we've let rotten things come out of our mouths and out of our fingers and out of our thumbs. Lord, would you forgive us for that? Why don't you take a minute at home and just have a moment of prayer and confess to God times where you've let not great things come out when you've used your words. Take a moment to confess that just you and him. I want you to take a minute and now ask God here and just in his presence, not only what we needed to say sorry for, but who's one person we can build up this week with what we say. Lord, who do I need to build up with my words this week? Thank you, God. Lord, help us to be the bridge and help us to bring reconciliation to our nation, to bring justice and love and peace, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, listen, everybody, thanks for joining us online for worship today. We want to encourage you that if you're ready to take your next step of faith, maybe you want to become a follower of Christ, maybe you want to get more involved in our church or get baptized, just text the word next to the number on the screen or simply go to communityofhope.church slash next to take your next step in faith. We also want to encourage you that we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series this coming Sunday that we're thrilled about. We're calling it Hope, Finding Strength Again. And we're really excited about that. Man, people need hope now more than ever. Hope for what's going on in our culture. Hope economically. Hope relationally. We need God's hope and we need to find our strength again. So make sure you invite a friend. Make sure you come check that out. You won't want to miss it. But otherwise, friends, go in God's peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week.